it could be, it might be, it is time for Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster podcast presented by Slow. Hey everybody, I'm your host, Ryan Dempster, and I'm on cloud 49 because we have 2015 NL Cy Young Award winner. He's thrown two no-hitters, and he's a 2016 World Series champion, Cubs legend, and now Philadelphia Philly, Jake Arietta is on the show. I'm telling you right now, you're not going to want to miss this one. But before we talk to Jake the Snake, well, I got to tell you about Sloan's no-touch hand-washing technology. It's state-of-the-art and second to none and couldn't come at a better time. So we want to thank them for providing that technology to people out there so we can wash our hands and stay safe. Jake Arietta, man. I still remember before game six of the World Series, walking into that locker room, going around, shaking hands with the guys, and thinking, man, I really hope we win today. And then I went over to Jake and shook his hand. And then I left that locker room thinking, man, I know we're going to win today. The look in his eye, the determination, I knew it was impossible for us to lose. So I don't know about you, but I'm ready. And I know he's ready. So let's go off the mound with Jake Arietta. It is so great to see you, my brother. So awesome that you wore our matching beads right here. You brought it in with that. I love it. Welcome right. to the show. Thanks for thanks for taking a little time uh, today to uh, sit down and, and catch up with us. How, how's life? How's things going for you? It's a little different. Uh, well, though, you know, it's different yeah. for everybody. But um, it's good to, good to carve out some time to be with you. Uh, hang out for a little while and uh, in, the, in these strange times, um, this is kind of what everybody's doing, right? All these, uh, all these Zoom or uh, FaceTime sort of meetings and uh, hopefully we can get back to normal eventually, right? When all, when all this first started, what did you guys do? What did the Arietta family do? Um, did you guys just hole up in Texas and said, all right, we're just going to stay here? Or, or did, you, did you make your way around anywhere? What did you guys get? Well, the day we found spring training I was actually pitching that game uh, against Tampa at Port St. Lucie and then we got the call from the from the league everything was shut down so we went back and took a couple days to assess and figure out if we were going to continue spring or if it was going to shut down uh, temporarily or for a longer period of time and when we did find out it was gonna be shut down for a while uh, my family was actually in Hawaii with uh, with John Lackey and, and their family so I got on a plane, flew to Dallas, and then flew straight there and spent uh, about 10 days there with them. Nice, which is nice because when you have friends who have places in other places, that means you have places in those places. It's, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> thing. So um, we, we're both friends with Lax, so we both have a second home in Hawaii, and, and that's great too. Um, and, then, and then you're, you know, you're in Texas, you're waiting it out, um, going through everything, and, uh, and finally get the call that baseball is going to be back at least the process to get it all started is is coming and you know we talked about it um over the phone and you know talk to me a little bit and the people out there a little bit um you know you say it's different it's weird it's strange times you know what's it like what's it like going to the field every day and and uh and kind of going through protocol and, and getting ready for for a season and and the risk that you guys are are kind of putting on the line here to go out there and play baseball for everyone yeah, you know, and it it is a risk. It's a good point. But, um, you know, I think 
the majority of us are willing to make that sacrifice either to be away from our family for three weeks, three months, uh, however long that might be uh, in order to get the season in. And um, when we got the news that we were actually going to resume activity, it was a mix of emotions, a little bit exciting, obviously, um, a, a little, a little scary, uh, not really understanding or knowing what to expect, but you know, now that we're here, we're being saliva tested every other day. We uh, got a blood test the day we got in. Uh, they're spacing guys out in, in smaller groups throughout the day to limit those interactions, uh, not only with uh, people away from the field, but even our staff and the people who work uh, for the organization, providing food for us or our, our clubhouse guys. Um, so we, we usually go in spaced out anywhere from 15 to 30 minute uh, spacing. So we're not having a ton of time around the guys in the clubhouse. And it's not, it's, it's, it's not what we would want to, to have happen, but this is really the only way that, um, that we're going to be able to prevent guys from, from getting sick, at least at the field. And, um, you know, we've all talked about limiting our interactions with, with people away from the field, just to ensure that we have the best chance to get this season in, uh, healthy as a team and you know if a couple of our best guys go down that's going to put us in a really tough spot yeah and and you know like i think you know that's it's important for people to understand that um you know sometimes we get lost in the millions of dollars that athletes make or um the celebrityism of it all but this is real people with real families dealing with real life circumstances just like everybody else at home and it's got to be uneasy for some of the guys um you know just the constant unknown um, has to be, I, I would think, a little bit intimidating or, you know, a little bit scary at times. It is, you know, and, and there's a lot of guys out there that have um, young pregnant wives and, or have young kids, infants and, and toddlers, uh, and, and even kids that are a little older. And now we're having to decide, you know, do we send them back to school? Do we let them do online courses? And uh, th those are those are difficult life decisions that we're all going to have to make. And uh, you know, baseball really comes after our, everybody's health and, and their family's well-being. But um, I'm pretty confident that we can do both if we uh, if we stay strict on the, these protocols and uh, we have the amount of testing that that we have in place. Um, I feel like we will be okay. I feel like things will start to get better. Uh, guys are wearing masks uh, at the field, and a lot of guys are wearing them on the field. All the staff is wearing them on the field, so. Um, you know, that, that does, um, you know, kind of exude a safe working environment, especially under these circumstances. Um, again, it's not, it's not comfortable to do, to do that, but, you know, as we've warned them, you know, it seems to, you know, bother guys less and less. What's been the weirdest thing that you've been like, whoa, really? Like we need to, we need to blend our hard boiled eggs. Like what's been like the weirdest, hardest thing that you, that's totally just thrown you for a loop when you've been at the field? or something that has. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's been a couple things that are that have been weird at first, but then, you know, it's something minor and you get past it. I mean, food is no longer allowed to be in the clubhouse, we have to, uh, you know, go up in the stands behind home plate in, uh, in the diamond club and, and get our food, which um, is a minor inconvenience, you know, when you really think about it. Uh, it's not that serious. It's just the, the things that we're so used to uh, in a big league clubhouse and uh, things that are part of our daily routine that uh, we might not like it first, but it really hasn't been that big of an issue. Um, maybe getting on the buses and going to other fields to do PFP so we can preserve uh, Citizens Bank. Uh, 
But, um, you know, I think we might have to do that anyways. Uh, if we had to, uh, for whatever reason, have a camp here, uh, you don't want to tear up your, your home fields. A couple yep. of minor inconveniences, but, you know, we'll, we'll make it work. Do you ever get like to sit in the crowd while you're eating and other guys are working out on the field and just start yelling at them and hooting and hollering like, pick up your thumbs. You know, well, <laughs> you know what's time. really funny is, uh, so our chef, Chef Keith, he texts me because I, you know, especially if we have workouts early in the day, I don't eat, I don't eat very often um, early in the day. I'll usually kind of do all my workouts fasted and, and, or I might have a shake in the morning before the house and then I'll eat when I get done with my workout. And our, our chef texts me, he goes, what do I have to cook to get you to eat? And uh, I thought that was, I thought that was really funny. I go, man, it's, it's, it's nothing against you. You kind of know my diet's weird, uh, but I'll come see you tomorrow just so you, you know, you don't think I'm trying to avoid you. Um, a 60 game season, you know, like this is like, and obviously everything in, in the world is upended and different now, sports being one of those. And people keep yeah. talking about the 60 game season, the excitement of it all. Um, I look at, at you guys. I mean, we talked about this. You guys are in first place two years in a row in July. So I, I say the Phillies are my favorite to win the NL East just because you guys are going to get off to a hot start. And that's all one team needs to do. Everybody's in it right now. Well, and everybody's kind of looking at the, the season in, in those sorts of uh, terms or in different perspectives like that, because uh, like you said, we, we did get off to a hot start the last couple of seasons. We were in a position to um, make a deep run and, you know, ho hopefully win our division and, you know, we came up short. But um, this season is going to change uh, for a lot of different teams. Um, and like we talked about on the phone, if you start out 5-15, and 15, you're in a you're in a really tough situation and in, in a spot that's going to be really hard to dig yourself out of. So uh, if we get off to a good start, um, you know, as every team wants to, um, we'll be in a good spot. We've got health on our side, and I think the health that we're most uh, concerned about is is obviously guys getting this virus because if they do, not only do they have to quarantine for a couple of weeks, then they have to get take at least two weeks to prepare to get back into a major league baseball game. So. Um, 60 games and just talking to people outside of the game, they say every, every game counts now. And as you know, as a former player, they all counted, right? Like in once you yep. have a deep run into the postseason, you realize those first couple, couple weeks in April, um, you know, if you're not, you know, grinding every single game and you give three or four away, that could come down to the end of the season and really bite you in the butt. So um, yes, with 60 games, it's going to be much more magnified. Um, and uh, they're going to all matter that much. Uh, and like you talk about that, you know, they've always all mattered. Um, but as a starting pitcher and as somebody who goes out there and, you know, posts up every fifth day like you did for an incredibly long stretch uh, until you had to have, you know, your elbow scoped, um, you're healthy now. How fun will it be to not have to – you don't have to put anything in the tank. You're not saving anything for September, October. It is just full throttle from, from Jump Street. And, you know, having a fresh kind of, you know, new new season where you're healthy and feel good, how excited are you for that? Well, it's going to be nice for, for a lot of reasons. Obviously not to have that knocking in the elbow joint anymore. Uh, and like you said <laughs> – I, ha I hated that, by the there. way. That was the worst. Right. You could just make it click and it could do all kinds of funny noises. It went to about right. here. You couldn't extend it. Yeah, you can't it. touch your shoulder, right? Yeah, you, it, you it do that. Bad. We got the same biceps. You do that. I'll do that. Yeah, you, it biceps. is pretty good. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> I haven't been working out much, man. But 
<laughs> Look, I mean, be, having having ten to twelve starts, whatever it is, in the regular season, um, throwing a few more for for the postseason. That's you know, for a big league starting pitcher, that's that's nothing, right? We're we're accustomed to going, you know, three three times that. So, yes, I mean, you don't want to. Um, and what we wanted to and, and all teams do is having guys try and ramp up too quickly with the amount of time that we had not uh, in spring training. So being, being cautious and careful about that, how we, how we get guys ready and how quickly we get them ready. But once we are built up, like you said, it's, it's 10 to 12 starts, a few more, uh, including postseason. Um, you know, that's, that's a, uh, that's a season for starting pitcher. You know, they're, they're all going to really enjoy going out there and taking it, you know, putting the, your foot on the gas the entire time, right? Not holding anything back. No doubt. Um, you guys got a great team there. Uh, like you said, you got some some youth, some experience now. Some of that youth starting to come into its own. You got a uh, an accomplished new manager in Joe Girardi, who's a proven winner. He's won a World Series. He's been a manager of the year. Um, you play with Bryce Harper, uh, you know, one of the, the faces of the game of baseball. And I think sometimes we kind of take for granted Bryce because he's been on the cover of Sports Illustrated since he's 15 years old. And, um, you know, the expectations are, are really high. Um, now that you, you've seen him last year and, and, and seen what he can do, you know, um, what, what, do you, what are your impressions of him as a ball player and, and what he can, you know, do to a baseball when it's thrown over the plate in the strike zone? Yeah, well, just seeing how he came, how well prepared he is right now and how focused he is. Um, you know, I tell guys this a lot, and he's he's one of the best teammates I've ever had. He goes 0 for 4. We win the game. <clears throat> he's in a great mood, right? He goes 4 for 4. We lose. It's, you know, it's the flip side. So he's he's a guy you want on your team, uh, no no doubt about it. Um, and that's just – that's before you even consider his talent. And then, you know, seeing him the last few days in live BPs, he's so poised, uh, composed. Nothing really bothers him. Uh, other than other than losing baseball games, so he's a he's an incredibly valuable asset for us to have. Um, look forward to continuing to see it get even better as a player. Uh, he's he's you know been grinding in the weight room as as everybody's probably seen through some of his posts on Instagram. He's put on a little bit of size. He's already extremely strong. So really really looking forward to watching him, man. He, he's a special talent. Well, you guys have offense, and, and obviously um, everybody knows that, and he is a special talent. But really, your pitching staff, you guys have, um, you know, yourself, Aaron Nola. Um, and then you got a collection of, of younger guys that are, are really able, I think, to turn the corner. They're right there to be able to turn the corner. Um, do you take it upon yourself now, like to be that guy that's the, you know, the veteran guy to help kind of, guide those guys along the way because at one point you were them you were the guy that was you know the inconsistencies were there and then all of a sudden it clicked for you and you found it and you became dominant reliable um you know a stud starting pitcher in the big leagues um and your track record you know speaks for itself do you take pride now in being able to pass that along to those guys no question about it and you know thank you that you know i I, where i know i've been doing that for a number of years now even in chicago um because of the the guys that I had do that for me and um, being in a position where I was early in my career, knowing what I didn't know then uh, and, and want, wanting guys, younger guys to have that information as soon as possible. Um, 
to help help advance their careers as fast as possible because um you know there's a, there's a ton of guys who have all the talent in the world and have a, a good head on their shoulders but just can't quite figure it out and end up not having the the career longevity that you know they expected to have or their teammates or the organization expected them to have and that's also a, a testament to how difficult this game is right we can have all the tools the best head on the shoulders that that's out there and still not success you know this, this game um I can um, can hand to Aaron Nola or Zach Eflin, Nick Pavetta, Vince Velasquez, any, any of these guys, anything that uh, any knowledge that I've acquired over the years that I feel like can help them. Uh, and also to be approachable, not not having these guys feel like they can't come up and talk to me because they're intimidated or whatever the case is. So, you know, the, the first day I got here a couple of years ago, I said, look, like you guys are my peers. I'm not above you or it doesn't matter what I've done in my career up until this point here together. Like let's, let's figure, figure out a way to be the best we can be. And I think doing that, you know, help them feel more comfortable around me and understand that if they needed something, I'd be here for them. You said the game's hard. It is hard. It is so hard to, to have a career at it. Um, you know, because the adjustments you have to make, um, and, and okay, yeah, you got to stay healthy. Sure. But everybody gets hurt. Almost everybody gets hurt. It's how do you bounce right. back from those and, 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 and making those adjustments. You know, when you, you talked about a little bit, who were the guys coming up for you that gave you that influence and helped guide you along the way, kind of as you made your way in your career? Uh, well, when I first, uh, when I first got up, um, you know, I had guys like Kevin Millwood. Jeremy Guthrie was around for four or five years at the time. Um, I had Mark Hendrickson. Um, Jamie Walker was there. These are these are some old school guys that you know played for a long time. And I'm sure, obviously, you played. Uh, I don't know if you played with any of them, but you definitely played against them. Um, some yep, wisdom, sure. you know, some 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 wisdom that uh, you know little things that have kind of stuck with me, and and little little ideas that they had about a certain pitch that. Nobody else could just tell me, could give it to me in those words the way they were able to to have a click. So having having other big leaguers, um, you know, that that got over the hump at some point in their career can say, hey, kid, like, you know, you're doing this all wrong or whatever, and just kind of step in and, and uh, you know, give me give me a little knowledge. And I'm sure you've had I know you had many times throughout your career where you could just you know, pick something out small on a guy's delivery or the way he's holding the baseball and it, it kind of clicks for him. Right. And you never know who's, who it's going to be in your career. Right. It could be a bench coach, pitching coach, uh, a, a position player, one of the bullpen guys. There's a lot of great information out there. And, and that's why it's so valuable for young players and even veteran players to stay um, in a position where they're, they, they will continue to learn and they embrace that. Right. Cause you know, you think, you have yep. everything figured out in this game, you're, you're really close to being humbled. And um, I've been there many a times, you know, you early in my career, you have a great start. Um, you know, you think, okay, this game isn't as hard as, as it looks. And then you give up six in your next start. So um, <laughs> staying, yeah. staying even keel, um, you know, maintaining your routine, good, bad, and different, right? You don't, you don't work based on your success, your past start. You, Meaning like if, if you have a bad start, um, 
you know, you grind through those four days, you have a good start, you kind of coast, right? You're like, okay, like I got this figured out. And then bam, right, right, you're back to square one. So that's probably the biggest advice. One of the, the biggest tools that I could give to guys is just keep the program the same, right? We're always going to add and subtract yep. things based on how much we learn. And, and over the course of time, our bodies change, our bodies need different things. But if you can have that routine kind of rock solid, then you've got something to fall back on when things aren't going well. Yep, trusting in the process and allowing the process to take over and uh, and and not necessarily, like you said, gearing towards those results. I love my beads that you got me. So Jake got me these beads. We were in New York City. Um, the Phillies were in town playing the Mets. And uh, I went to go meet Jake afterwards. And he said, I got a little something for you. And, uh, and these beads, check these out. Jake put it perfectly. It's hard it's to like see on camera, like but they're some... beautiful, aren't they? They're, they're amazing. They're made of glass. Where'd you get these again? Uh, you said you got them in Man, San Francisco? I got, listen, this, this, was a, uh, this was a purchase in Colorado, an impulse purchase. Colorado, uh, my bad. Which I, I got, I got, which I got yelled at uh, for a while about. <laughs> and uh, I told her I was going to wear these on here. And she just, you know, she laughed and said, you're an idiot. And, uh, uh, but hey, you know, you have one. It was a gift. And, and look where we're at now. It was meant to be, wasn't it? Yeah, and you know what's funny? You put them on, and I've worn them a few, quite a few times, actually, um, when I want to do, like, neck lifts to strengthen my neck or <laughs> some sort of, like, sit up to get my core engaged. But they, they, yeah. they, they, you put them on, and they just – they warmth your body. It's pretty cool. They're like, give it's you like, like a weighted like blanket almost. Have you ever taken a nap with yes. a weighted blanket? It's kind of similar, but around the neck. Yeah, it's very calming. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy them. I, I don't know if I could sleep all night with them because I'd, I'd worry I'd get tied up. Yeah, but, you might. Uh, and it gets, you know, when the beads separate, it'll snag some of your beard hair. So you got to be careful, oh, put, point. you know, taking them on and off. But other than yeah. that, you know, it's, it's a story. It's a conversation. You love it. I love it. Yeah. We're going to be fine. Yeah. And the conversation piece is nice because if you wear them and nobody knows where you got them, like, it's just like I could say I got them in the Himalayan somewhere. Like, and they believe it, it. it. There's many multiple areas. Yes, absolutely. From the llama, you know. Dollar right. You know, well, if, if you have a gold long. chain on, if you have a gold chain on, you know, people see those all the time. No one's coming up to you saying, oh, it's, a, it's a beautiful chain. Right. But this, you yep. know, this is a conversation starter. And uh, it is. I like it that way. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, thank you for these, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Solid. You bet. Uh, and, and I want to thank you for something else, too, because you played a massive part in this. Um, thank you for the World Series Championship in 2016. I'm sorry. I don't even Pretty know if I truly thank you for that. No. Well, yeah. I think you, you think you might have, maybe just don't remember it, but um, it was a ma it was a magical run, hmm. man. It really yep. was. And I, I remember you. We we won Game Seven. We get back to the airport. You know, the fire trucks are shooting the water off everywhere, and you were our um, you were our guide. You were giving us basically the the tourists. You know, through the city, yep. pointing everything out. I think you were. Some some of the stuff was accurate, but I think you might have been making some of it up, right? Like this was the site of something in in 1720, which I don't I don't know if it was that that was accurate or not, but it was great. Um, so thank yeah, yeah you thank you for doing that. We all had a great in. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because really everyone was. thought it was real. Everyone's like, "Wow, this guy he's tremendous. He knows everything about the city. He really loves Chicago. Wow, right on." Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Um, you, uh, you, and you, you kind of got to see it 
different than some guys. Um, as far as you came over kind of at the beginning of the rebuild and, you know, kind of got to see it in a different way because you got to be there when, you know, the Cubs weren't very good and then kind of watched it grow and grow and grow into this, you know, machine where, you know, for a couple of years there, you guys were unstoppable, um, you know, with you and Johnny and the rotation and, and Ad and Lab. Hendricks and all these guys and just mowing through teams, um, you know, talk about what that was like to, you know, to kind of see that because it's one thing to join a team and they're already really good um, and, and, and you still play your part and we know how that goes. But, you know, to be there from the grassroots and watch it grow all the way into fruition to to break an 108 year curse and, and, and doing what you did and having a parade to five million people, um, you know, that's that's pretty special right there. Yeah, well. I- Obviously, the Cubs organization was um, kind of working on that process for years to come. And it started to turn right as I got there at the end of 13 and into 14. You know, we weren't we weren't great, but we were getting better. You know, I started to um, really kind of develop and, and come into my own. And uh, well, at the end of 13, a little bit. But then in 14, I had a really nice season. Um, and then we had all these these amazing prospects coming through the system that um, – I wasn't completely aware of until I got there and and got to meet these guys. And uh, I got a little bit more um, history of of the organization and and the process that they were, they were going through. And I'm like, wow, we have, we have all these guys coming up. And then we continue to have these, these amazing draft picks, Um, you know, kudos to Theo and and the rest of the guys for, for drafting these, uh, these amazing players that, you know, ended up coming up in, in 14 and 15, helping us get to the postseason. Um, and ultimately winning the World Series 16, making a deep run in 17. Um, you know, and that just shows you, like, how good of a team we had. Um, we were really close to doing it multiple years. Uh, but that just shows you how, how yep. difficult it is to to continue to get back to that position, you know, because everybody's gunning for the same exact thing, you know. And, and once you win one or once you show the ability to get to that level and, and compete at, you know, for a division, single year and in in a pennant teams are coming after you so um and having to play the cardinals having to play other teams that were no slouch i mean the reds the brewers the pirates all good teams right and especially when we played Mm -hmm. uh divisional games so uh an amazing run really uh we had great prospects we had a great starting pitching we had a good free agent sign obviously a couple of them uh, obviously, with with Lester uh, signing with us, John came on the next season. Uh, Kyle Hendricks turned into uh, you know what he is now, and it's, it's still incredibly fun to watch that guy pitch. Um, and you know when young, just while we're talking about him, when young guys want to watch guys with all this velocity and and, and all these punch outs, those are really great. But I'm like, yep. watch watch Hendricks pitch, right? Watch, watch this guy throw, and uh, watch how he gets guys out. You know, because you don't have to throw 98 you don't have to have an 85 mile, mile an hour curveball or a 90 mile an hour slider you can pitch at 88 you can change speeds you can locate you can move up and down and he does it really well so you know kyle's a good um <clears throat> a good role model for a lot of guys to, to to follow especially young kids that you know might not throw 100 miles an hour and for those young kids who might be throwing 95 96 but they Better off pitching at 92, 93 with location. 
You know, like you're right about we all that. get caught yeah. up in it. And it's just like, man, okay, dial it back a bit and hit your spots and you're going to get quick outs and you're going to be able to be a starting pitcher instead of being tagged somebody that has to go down the bullpen. I couldn't agree with you. I tell people all yeah. the time, yeah, it's it's fun to go watch the guy throwing 98, but it's smart to go watch the guy throwing 88 and just darting pitches all over the place. And Yeah, I, I, don't even, I don't know if Kyle gets sore. I mean, I, I'm sure he does, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just – He's just kind of out there doing his thing, not not overexerting himself, changing speeds. And, you know, and you look up and it's it's the eighth inning and he's giving up two hits. Like, oh, my gosh, like this guy's on to something. And, you know, I'm at the point in my career now where, you know, I don't throw 98 an hour anymore. And, you know, I can still run it up there a little bit, but it's it's more so now than ever for me. It's about commanding the baseball, moving it around, changing speeds, uh, varying my sequencing. And, um you know, using my brain a little bit more to pitch. Cause you know, when I was younger, you know, in, in my couple, first couple of years in Chicago, I had that command. I had that, you know, really high velocity with all these different breaking balls and pitching seemed to be pretty easy for me for a little bit. Now, you know, it's a little different. And now I have to change the way I do things a little bit. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that challenge. It's going to be fun to kind of navigate um, you know, how to manipulate the ball a little bit differently and how to really uh, fine tune my command to a point where I can um, exceed at the levels I used to without, you know, that 98 mile an hour block. Yeah. And you talked about it. It was, you know, I don't know if easy is the right word, putting all the work in. It seemed easy from the outside because yes. when you're in those zones, but it's definitely not easy about that. Um, but you did something not once, but twice that very few people in this game ever get to do is, is pitch a no hitter. Um, first of all, what was that like? And second of all, be honest now, don't lie to us here. Did you know you oh, had never. a no hitter going? I always hated the guy. I always hated the guy. Who said, everyone knows, know Ryan. Everyone yes, knows. Thank you, Jake. Come on. Everyone, everyone knows. knows. But it's not, it's not as important. It's not as serious until you're, you know, until you're in the sixth or seventh, right? Because I've had a, I've had a bunch of them through five and it's like, okay, like I still have got 12 out. Like that's, that's no easy task to, you know, just assume that you're going to go four hitless innings right at the end of a baseball game. Uh, Especially when teams know, like they're, they're, they're trying to break it up. No questions asked, especially if you're there, uh, you're in their home ballpark. And I was able to throw two on the road, one in Dodger stadium, um, which was, yeah, I, I think it might be more special because it was the first one. It was in Dodger stadium uh, against that team, that, that uh, the season, you know, the, the last day of August, um, you the know, history, the into, history of Dodger stadium, yeah. <clears throat> history you know, of Dodger stadium no lead, leading where- in, where Sandy Koufax has Drysdale and these guys, and you're throwing no hitters out there. That's you're you're right. There there should be reason for a little bit more. Yeah, kind of yeah. special, and then you being your first one too. Yeah, and Sunday night baseball, and funny how it worked out. So in 2014, I made a, a brief rehab stint in, in Knoxville, and I went to this little uh, little shop in Knoxville, bought this mustache onesie that I thought I might wear once or twice, and I ended up pulling it out for the no hitter. Uh, on the way back, and I did my interviews in it because it was a uh, PJ-themed trip, right? We had all our families, all our kids. Yep. Five-hour flight back to Chicago. So, you know, just one of those those weird things that kind of came full circle. So, uh, but, yeah, both incredibly special. And I threw the second one April 21st against Cincinnati in Cincinnati. Never thought I'd do it 
again and <clears throat> let alone um you know not 10 starts later right or however many starts later it's not, amazing, that, not yeah. that long after um and that game was a weird one right i i couldn't command the majority of my stuff but you know what i talked to um what i talked to rossi about is hey let's let's just set up middle right we'll throw the cutter the sinker the curveball change up everything middle down and the, unless we want to we want to elevate the fastball or whatever the the situation might be and you know with my stuff at that time like nothing ended up there if i try to go middle with the sinker it would either end up you know slightly glove side or slightly arm side <clears throat> but that allowed me to throw many more strikes with my stuff that night and worked out pretty well yeah it worked out well um then you know i, I talked to johnny lester <clears throat> about this you know everybody talks about game seven world series right but you know i say we because you know i was working with the team i work with the team Cubs are down three games to one, and Johnny goes out there, pitches a game and uh, gem in game five, goes to game six, and the boys thumped in game six and scored a ton of runs. So people forget about how you absolutely shoved in game six. You were so dominant in game six, um, you know, to send you know, to a game seven where that anything's possible and was possible scenario. You control those emotions in those moments because I've been on that stage in a playoff game. I pitched in a World Series. That heart rate is just pounding, and you know that was one inning in relief and an eight to one win. And here you are in a game trying to break a hundred and eight year curse. You know what did you do to be able to just get yourself to to calm down, relax, and execute in those moments? Well, I think the one thing that really helped me was when we were hitting, and obviously I didn't have to hit. Um, when we played played there, I uh, would go in the tunnel, and there's a weight room kind of around the corner. Uh, the game was on in there. <clears throat> I didn't necessarily want to see it with the loud volume because, like you said, the heart rate's through the roof, uh, and and that burns energy, right? It burns calories. You're you're gonna exhaust yourself with energy. So I'd kind of sit around the corner and just sit there and take deep breaths, try and lower the heart rate, go over who was coming up next in the order, how I was gonna approach them, and uh, that helped me a little bit. That helped me calm, keep myself calm. But maybe the most important thing uh, was was pitching in game two as freezing cold as it was. It was in the 30s. Um, yep. Then we come back to game six and it's like 73 degrees. I'm like, this is amazing. Like I, I couldn't feel my fingers in game two, was able to make it work and, and throw the ball well. And then game six, you know, four or five days later, like, okay, I can feel my fingers, I'm, I'm sweating, like now I'm just going to go out there and air it out, right? Try and control the heart rate, stay calm and, and give my team a chance to win. And, um, you know, you know how it worked out. Yeah, everybody knows how it worked out. It was incredible. It was the best <laughs> celebration in sports history. Nobody's ever going to see anything like that again. I'd, I'd be hard pressed unless some team goes on a, a you know, a, a terrible century run and goes on another 100 years. It's it was truly magical. And then the parade of five million people. What, what did your kids think as that as that parade was going on? You know, like were they were they just in another another planet with that? Well, they were. They, you know, they were they were still pretty young. Um, I mean, Cooper was four. Um, yeah, Cooper was four, and Palmer was two. So they, you know, who knows what they were thinking, right? <clears throat> Palmer is a two-year-old seeing you know the bus and seeing that amount of people. Um, I'll have to ask her. That's a, that's a, that's a really good question. Yeah. But you know, my son Cooper, you, you, you know, Cooper, he's always in the clubhouse. Like he just loves the game of baseball. He, he emulates all the guys swings forever. KB, um, 
you know, uh, Rizzo, all those guys loves him. And now he does the same thing with the Phillies. So he, he eats, sleeps baseball. Um, that was, that was something he'll never forget. And, you know, being able to have those memories, those pictures and the video, uh, to, to show the kids, cause there, there's going to be things that they, um, you know, won't necessarily remember completely comprehend because of how young they were, but as they age, they'll, they'll really, really understand exactly how special it was. And according to Mikey, over my shoulder right here, our good friend Michael Pasola, he came home. He said, uh, I went and played golf, and he said, hey, Ryan, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. He's like, Cooper is going to be a Major League Baseball player. He's an absolute <laughs> stud. He goes, I want to re represent him, but Jake won't let me. He wants to be his agent. And I go, Mikey, <clears throat> please quit asking my son to be his agent, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I, I appreciate the effort, you know. You got to love Mikey, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that's, you know, that's more of a tribute to, like, you know, he, he, you know, he thinks the world of your kids. But, you know, you as a father and, you know, as you've gone through your own journey in life, you go through baseball, you know, you go through college baseball. Then you get into professional and you've had this incredible career and done great things on the field. And while you're still doing those things and setting an example, I know firsthand how important your family is to you and how they're number one with you and, you know, what a, what a father you are to them that, of course, he's going to want to at least be like dad, right? Emulate what dads do and want to be a baseball player. And if that's just being a good little league player, I know that you as a dad would be just happy with that as well. That's it, man. You know, and with kids, it's it's hard, especially if your your dad plays a professional sport or he does something at a super yep. high level that's that's um, you know that's that's valued and people cherish, right? So I just want to express to him, and and Palm, obviously Palmer's probably not going to play baseball or be in the big leagues, but you never know. But if he wants to be ride mountain bikes or he wants to play tennis or he doesn't want to play sports at all. That's totally fine. And I want him to understand that he can be his own person and not worry about, you know, what other people think. If, you know, you don't play, your dad played, you got to play. Right. So that's, it's, it's up to him to decide, you know, I will kind of give him different, you know, avenues or different, you know, roads to go down and, and see what he enjoys to do. And if he likes all of them, great. If he likes none of them, then we'll figure something else out. And that sums you up, Jake. You've always been a great leader, man. You were a great leader here on the north side of Chicago, leading the Cubs to a World Series um, with your great teammates and, and coaches, but you had there. And now you're doing great things in Philadelphia with those guys. So um, I couldn't be more proud of you. I, I'm I'm proud of you as a baseball player, but, um, you know, I'm sure I should play more. And I appreciate you, you know, taking some time today to, to come and, and talk life and baseball with us. And, and thanks for stopping by, man. Really awesome. Such kind words, Dem, and uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you the past several years, and, you know, our friendship is something that uh, I'll always appreciate, and we need to get out and play some golf once this uh, this thing kind of settles down, because I, I need some tips, all right? I really do. I know you're a good <laughs> golfer. I need some help, all right? All you need to do, I got one tip right here. Just wear those beads. I'm wearing these beads the next round. I'm going to rain birdies. I might Would go not chip a tooth? the positive energy. I don't know. My I don't chip think a tooth. So. You tuck it in before every shot, you know. It may be like some sort of pendulum okay. swing as you're getting ready to putt. But all I know is they send good mojo just like you do. So um, thanks so all much right, for joining us right here on Off the Mound. You're awesome, dude. Uh, he's a great ball player. What incredible stuff he did on the north side. But I'll tell you what, um, you know, 
just that right there, talking about what a great father he is. I know how much his family means to him. He shows it on a daily basis. And um, he's a father figure to these guys in the rotation there in Philadelphia. Um, but he is uh, an incredible father figure to his son and daughter and a, and a great husband to his uh, lovely wife, Brittany. So it was great to catch up with Jake. I'm sure all you Cub fans out there enjoyed that as much as I did. To hear more conversations like the one you just heard, please download and subscribe to the Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. A few of our past guests include Chris Bryant, Ken Griffey Jr., Mike Trout, John Lester, and many more. Don't forget you can watch the show every Friday night at 8 p.m. on Marquee Sports Network, and it's all sponsored by the fine folks at Sloan. Thanks for listening, and you go have yourself a great day.